0: Lock, Talk Radio. King Way, Fox
1: Beard, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Driscoll's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boy, Murder, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Georgio has gone berserk. Teacher Batman, Edward is an idiot Fock is dead Wolf is wet, Chekhov's wearing red
0: this cat Kempack's hat You is that enough of that Beam me up Make it so Everybody let's go We talk about the series You can join us live By picking up your phone now We talk about the series We're coming to you on Your streaming services now We talk about the series on the, we'll be on the show now. We the the we we go on and on
2: and on Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that awesome song. It's time for Trek Talkin', and we got a great show planned for you guys tonight. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and with me, as usual, are my trek Spurts. And we'll start out with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight,
1: Eric? Oh, man, I am doing great, Jim. Uh, I just watched this movie. I'm so ready to talk about it. There's so many good things we're going to talk about tonight. And we are chilling at a nice uh, 65 degrees and slightly drizzly. So, you know, par for the course yeah. here in Portland, Oregon in the fall.
2: We're about right there with you here in Vermont, too, which is pretty cool. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. We're
3: <coughs> getting about seventy eight a day with partial partial clouds. But we're getting Oops. our we're getting our fall weather back again.
2: Well, not we cold, are
3: expecting not the cold free winter weather.
2: We're expecting some snow on Sunday. What? Dun dun dun. Yeah. <laughs>
3: oh we have go. Uh, Our mountains have already seen some snow already.
2: Yeah, it's it's inevitable, but I hate it. Hey, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Put that on your speed dial, 646-668-2433. Because i got to start off the show with telling you guys that Charles and I, uh, it's kind of a tradition with us, it seems like, Every Halloween, we do a Halloween spooktacular. And I what is this, our third, our third one, Charles? Uh, no, I think not do
3: second one. We did one last year. We did our COVID yeah. edition.
2: That's right, our COVID edition. So um, when you get back from trick-or-treating on Halloween night, you want to sit down and you want to tune in because this, this year, instead of just playing some Halloween-themed music, we're going to do something extra special for you guys. We are gonna sit down and listen to it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown Ultimate Classic. And I know so many people complain that it's not on TV anymore and you can't find it and so on and so forth. So you can sit back with your family, eat your Halloween candy and enjoy it's a great pumpkin Charlie Brown. It's gonna be a blast. and uh, Charles and I are gonna of course, we're gonna talk about them uh, about it and share some memories, and of course, I have some classic, very nostalgic, uh, creepy Halloween music and some fun stuff to play for you guys. But because it's Halloween and you always give out candy when you go trick-or-treating, I have here one copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 um, on DVD. And I want to give it to you as a special Halloween trick-or-treat gift from us here at Trek Talking. So you have to tune in and listen on Halloween night. And the first person that calls us at 646-668-2433 and says, trick or treat, I will drop that in the mail and send it to you. Very quick, very easy, very painless. Okay, 646-668-2433 is the number. Halloween night, 730, just call up, say trick or treat. And you win it. Couldn't be easier. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be more fun. And you get to talk to me and Charles. So what more can you ask for? So with that out of the way, I got to tell you guys that we have a great show planned for you guys. We're going to do the time warp and go all the way back to 2002. And we're going to talk about Star Trek Nemesis. And, uh, yeah, I'll find some good stuff to say about it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So you definitely want to hang out for that. Um, We also have in our Star Trek news, we're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek aims for a younger audience. Uh, The TNG visits the Mirror Universe. Marina Sirtis wasn't quite so excited about returning to Star Trek. Uh, A Star Trek legend passed away. Shatner says, what? Which is a really good one. Of course, we have our Star Trek birthdays, our fan shout-outs, and our new segment, Convention Calendar. So we've got a lot going on tonight. You guys don't want to miss any of the fun. You want to hang out right where you are and uh, hang out with me, Charles, and Eric. So our Facebook page, we have 70,095 followers, and uh, that's just amazing. That's outstanding. Um, I can't
1: believe we had 70. and that's just amazing.
2: What, what did we have when you came aboard, Eric?
1: Uh, when I came aboard, we were under five thousand. We were we were around uh, maybe maybe 4,300,
2: 4, something like that. Wow. So uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Truck Talking and Beyond. You got to spell it out and a n d Beyond. Give us a like. Give us a follow. And you'll see the live long and prosper on the top. Just uh, tell us where you're listening from. Every week I pick some lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has picked you and your name will be given in a future shout out. Also our on blogtalkradio dot com backslash trek talking where you can find all every one of our, our past podcasts, every one of the three hundred and forty seven plus that we have done are all there, and you can listen to any one of them. And we have 43,007 downloads of the podcast as of tonight, and I'm sure that's only going to go up. So thank you so much for making that possible. We really appreciate you guys. And speaking of appreciating you guys, we usually start off the show each week with going by our Around the Globe numbers. And uh, we might be making some changes to that format next week. But this week, we're going to turn to Eric. And, Eric, what do our global numbers look like?
1: Yeah, this week uh, we have a special edition of Numbers Around the Globe. We are not just going to do our top five. We are going to do our top six to just add that one more uh, in preparation for maybe some future changes, as Jim was saying. Well, let's just say, as of the moment, uh, with all of our recombobulations of numbers going on lately, with us changing some of our setups, uh, the United States represents about 85% of our listeners now. But in that number one international slot, holding steady, of course, uh, our brothers and sisters to the north in Canada with 4.47% of our listeners. Thank you so much to everybody up there who's still listening to us and downloading our podcast You've been here all along, and we appreciate your continued support. Uh, The U.K. is coming in at number two with 3.97% of our listeners, very strong showing. They've been in that number two spot, uh, I'd say, for maybe the last year or so. It's been a while. And in that number three spot, holding steady is Australia with 2.59% of our listeners. Now, in our next three here, which, of course, is the bottom three of our top six, we have uh, a runoff, so to speak. Ireland, Nepal, and Peru are all holding down about 1.0 uh, and some change percent of our listeners. So, wow, that's really cool to be added. We added Nepal last week, and we we just had to give a shout out to Peru because they made it up to that magic number of 1% this week, and we just felt like we had to honor that. So, thank you so 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 much to all of our listeners, whether you come from Canada, UK, have been listening to us forever. Whether you come from Nepal, Peru, and are, are a new listener, uh, we just appreciate every single one of you, and we love talking about Trek and having you call in, so uh,
2: call us. We'd love to chat. Yeah, and I also, 1%, you might be, well, that doesn't sound like a lot, but what, what as our domestic listeners go up, and we've, they've gone up over 10% in the last three weeks, As our domestic listeners go up, um, it's making it look like you guys are going down, but you're not. Um, You're not. you're, You're still out there. You guys are still there. You're still listening. It's just that the amount of listeners here in the United States is going up so much that it's making it look like you guys aren't there. But we know that you're still there. So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And now... We do individual fan shout outs. And this is the part of the show that we might change uh, a little bit next week. And this is where we say hello and thank you to you. That's right. You right there sitting at home right now, listening to us. And uh, we like to thank you individually. So Eric, who's on your list this week? Well, our very first fan shout out this week goes
1: out to Oswald Newman in Arnhem in the Netherlands. Oswald, listen to us right there. Uh, Wow, that's amazing. Uh, That's one of those places I keep saying every time it comes up that I really want to go. Maybe you know some of our other friends who listen from the Netherlands. So thank you very much, Oswald, for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week to top fan Richard Joliffe from Auckland, New Zealand, way, way down in New Zealand, even farther than Australia. Thank you, Richard, and thank you for being one of our top fans. That means he interacts a ton with us on our Facebook page. Uh, We really, really appreciate your support, Richard, so thank you very, very much. And my last fan shout-out goes out to Tomas Bistriki from Slovakia. I hope I didn't massacre your name, Tomas. Uh, I don't know anything about Slovakia, but uh, having you say hello to us uh, is getting me kind of juice to go find out some more. So thank you very much, Tomas, for listening to us. Charles, who is on your list this week?
3: Well, let's start off with Brendan Steele from Cleveland, Ohio. Melanie Decline from Wrestling Germany. And top fan Larry Perry from Mount Olivia, Kentucky. Out in Santa's neck of the woods. Jim, how about you?
2: Well, I wanna start off uh I nobody from New York or Vermont or anybody remotely in New England this this week. Hard to believe, huh? <laughs> yeah, that is kinda weird. That that's that's strange. But we want to say hello and thank you to Deborah Sharpter from Tasmania, Australia. That's cool. Tasmania. I just mm-hmm. that's just that's awesome. We'd that's also really like cool. to say to and thank you. To now have we ever had anyone from Tasmania?
1: Well, we haven't and I always I, you can't hear that name having grown up in the United States in the seventies and eighties and not think of the Tasmanian devil just instantaneously yep.
2: <laughs> that's what that's exactly I what done. I was thinking, thinking it
3: of. like oh, does Tasmanian have the devil like what it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's, like, it's such' You're a whipping whip around to
0: that
2: yeah. <laughs> And we'd also like to say Thank you to listening And Kaplata Darius Barnes From Charleston, West Virginia Thank you for listening And last but not least Sheila Miller Crewson from Kansas Great band by the way So thank you so much for listening guys We really appreciate it And uh, I just can't say enough Thank you so much And uh, this is the part of the show Where we do our Star Trek birthdays That was not a Klingon song. No, he says that every week, doesn't he? And every week we continue on anyways. So uh, we always like to say happy birthday to all of the members of our Star Trek family, but we always like to start out first by remembering those who sadly are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric.
1: Yeah, Jim, uh, the very first person we'd like to honor this week who would have had a birthday is uh, kind of a heavy hitter in the Star Trek world. Uh, His name is Lou Scheimer, not an actor, so to speak, unless you count voice acting. Uh, But, of course, he was one of the co-founders of Filmation and heavily involved in the animated series. He was a producer on the animated series. Uh, He voiced four different characters, including the Romulan commander, uh, and the Practical Joker uh, and Orion Lieutenant uh, in Pirates of Orion. So uh, Lou Scheimer uh, would have had a birthday this week, and uh, of course his touches all over the animated series, which I have had a lot of fun watching. Lower Decks kind of harken back to the animated series on occasion. That's been that's been real fun, and kind of has brought Lou back to mind every once in a while. So happy birthday to Lou Scheimer. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our remembrances to David Armstrong this week. He played the character Cartan on TOS's Operation Annihilate. And he also played uh, an Armenian guard in A Taste of Armageddon. So happy birthday to David Armstrong. We're sending out uh, happy birthday uh, remembrances to Lloyd Haynes, who played Lieutenant Aiden in TOS's Where No Man Has Gone Before. Uh, definitely a character you would recognize. We're also saying happy birthday to John Anderson, who played Kevin Uxbridge in TNG's The Survivors. Uh, he is quite a famous actor. Uh, if you don't remember that episode, that's the one with the two people who are left on the planet, and the, the Enterprise D sort of discovers them on this little green patch on a big old desert planet. And um, I won't tell you how it turns out. Uh, if you don't know, you should go watch that episode. But excellent actor. Uh, I believe he was also, wasn't he MacGyver's grandfather? Uh, that was a recurring role for him, so happy birthday to John Anderson.
0: Uh,
1: we're also saying happy birthday to Julie Parrish, who played Miss Piper in TOS's The Menagerie, just part one. Uh, Michael Dunn, uh, also a famous actor, a little person who uh, played in TOS's episode play Stepchildren, who played Alexander, would have had a birthday this week. Georgia Brown. Uh, actress uh, who, of course, is extremely recognizable to anybody who knows TNG. Uh, she played Helena Rozhenko, Worf's mother. Uh, she shows up in a couple of episodes, New Ground and Family. Uh, so happy birthday to Georgia Brown. And our final uh, happy birthday remembrance uh, this week goes out to actor Mark Leonard, uh, a name who is – pretty much synonymous with Star Trek in a lot of different ways. He, of course, uh, played the character of Sarek, uh, Spock's father in TOS, TAS, TNG. Uh, He played a Klingon captain uh, in the motion picture. Uh, He, of course, is probably most famous, I would say, other than Sarek, for playing Romulan commander uh, in TOS's episode Balance of Terror. And
2: uh, Jim... Where else do we know Mark Leonard from that's special to your heart? Well, he's been in so much. But if you guys have ever listened to Leslie and I when we do stunt treks, uh, he played General Urko in the TV series Planet of the Apes. And uh, he was also on Buck Rogers. Um, he's been on so many things. It's just he's a great guy. And I gotta, I, I tell, I'm going to tell a story because that's what, that's what old people do. When you get old, you tell stories. And I'm old. So I'm going to tell a story. So (laughs) the the first Star Trek convention I ever went to was in 1983. And it was when the search for Spock came out and the guest star was Mark Leonard. And I went with my girlfriend, now my wife, Karen, and we met Mark Leonard and he left such an impression on me. He was so cool and just a great guy. I was very impressed. So uh, in 1991, when I decided to do my first Star Trek convention, I said, we got to get Mark Leonard. We got to. He was the first person I saw at a convention. So I want to have him at my first convention, which we did. And uh, I was really nervous and we picked him up at the airport. My wife and I were uh, up in the hotel room talking with him before the show. And he mind melded me. I mean, uh, it was like an experience. We were just talking at the table in his room and, you know and uh he says well you, you seem nervous i said well i am and we were talking a little bit and uh he kind of reached over the table and laid his fingers on my on my head and kind of did the vulcan mind meld and told me everything would be fine and i was like oh my god <laughs> my father mind melded <laughs> me it's the coolest <laughs> thing ever
4: <laughs> meanwhile marcella's oh. like why is your face so sweaty <laughs> i was like wow uh, and and I don't know wow. if you guys
2: remember, in 1991, two things happened in, in Star Trek history was, I had my convention happen to fall when Star Trek six was coming out, but he, there was an episode of TNG that came out called Sarek, where or, um not Sarek, um, uh, Redemption. Mm-hmm. And they killed Sarek off screen. And Mark Leonard did not know that they killed him. Uh, they never told him. And unless you watch the episode when when uh Patrick Swift Picard gets the message, they don't actually it's not actually prominently mentioned in the episode, but he gets the message that Sarek has passed away from Bendai syndrome. Well, no one told Mark Leonard he didn't know. And one of the fans asked him that at the convention, he he got all upset about it, and you know, why would you say that? And they, and I just filmed this episode, and they, I was still alive, and he, he didn't know. They never told him that Sarek died in that episode, which I was like, wow, that surprised me that they wouldn't wouldn't tell you, but yeah, they didn't. <laughs> but Mark Leonard was a great guy. I loved him. Uh, he was wonderful. I got a picture of him with my parents and me at the convention, and he was a great guy. So. Um, we we miss him a lot. So that's my Mark Leonard story. <laughs>
4: awesome. Thanks, Jim. <laughs>
1: uh so that is our final remembrance this week. So Charles, oh, take it away it, with our birthdays.
2: I I can't hear Charles, can you hear Eric?
3: I can hear Eric.
2: <laughs> okay. He
3: just sent he just tweed to me.
2: Punt to Charles. Okay. All right.
3: So Barbara Baldivin played Lieutenant Angela Martin in TOS's Lakeshore and Bounds of Error. Supreme Sheriff played Moranami in TOS's This Side of Paradise. (laughs) Dr. May. Jemison played Lieutenant Palmer in TNG's
2: Second Chances. And isn't she the astronaut? Yes, she's an astronaut. When she went into Um, space, she actually start, when she went into space, she started off all of her communications with uh, NASA control (laughs) by saying (laughs) hailing frequencies are open in honor of Michelle Nichols. Who got her interested in the space program, which is pretty That's cool? cool. That's
3: my really first cool. <clears throat> my first return to Star Trek convention about three years ago on Wednesday, I got there early. Okay, let's go, sit in the conve- let's go sit in the panel. let's see what we're starting off with. And the convention started off with her. And she talked a while on it, and then later in her panel, Michelle Nichols came in and congratulated her. So that was a great way of starting the convention.
0: Yeah, that's a good yeah. start. <laughs> that is.
3: Renee Jones played Lieutenant. Aquil Unari in TNG. Aquiel. Having fun with those. Kimberly mm-hmm. Carr played Langar in TNG Symbolist.
2: Oh and my Mary God, Leonard that Jr. woman! Yeah. Uh, she was a bitch <laughs> and a half, <laughs>
0: wasn't she? Well, did, didn't you did you want to
2: just <laughs> yeah. didn't you want to just reach through the screen and slap her, silly? Well, uh, it's. It's uh, in the slightly less. Yes. I
1: completely agree with the sentiment, Jim. She had, uh, she had a way about her that just was like, what are you doing and, and controlling and just snotty. And yeah, just no good. Yeah.
2: yeah she's like, you know, you can't do anything that we've addicted this entire planet to drugs. We're the yeah. intergalactic drug dealers and you can't touch us because of the prime directive, Captain Picard, so stick it. And Beverly was like, wanted to just strangle her, but <laughs> Picard was like, hey, she's right. We can't, if, if these people want to be addicted to drugs and they want this planet to be their intergalactic drug dealers and their suppliers, there's nothing we can do. But, man, she had an attitude. But then what do they do,
1: Jim? Then what do they do in the end?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In the end, they sabotaged their spaceship. Exactly, exactly. So it, does, it
1: turns out Prime Directive never really matters
2: when uh, when it comes down to it. <laughs> oh, man, but that woman, man, you just yeah. Just she she yeah. She's like, oh, man, I know that we're drug dealers and we're getting this whole planet hooked on drugs, but we don't care. And, oh, man, I couldn't stand her. But she so, must be know, a great actress, though. If she can
1: make you hate her, she must be real good. And that's what we have always said. Like, the more you hate uh, somebody as a character, the probably the better job they're doing. I mean, I'll always say Kai <laughs> wen is amazing because everybody yeah, hates her. Get
0: him
1: out. There's a mic in
3: here. Uh, okay. So. <laughs> Let's finish off with Mary Elizabeth McKillen, who played Dalen in Boy's viz And that's my side. So what about you, Jim?
2: Well, I've got a couple of birthdays here. Um, We have Lev Mailer, who played Bylar in TOS's Return of the Archons. Great episode. Uh, He also, oddly enough, uh, there was a a very um, uh, unpopular uh, Star Wars special that came out uh, in 1977 called the Star Wars Holiday Special, where... Princess Leia sings, and and uh, they, they all sing and dance. Weird, weird thing, but it's it's a part of Star Wars history. Uh, George Lucas said he wishes he could collect and burn every copy of it so that it's forgotten forever. Uh, but there are some redeeming qualities about it. One of them is that is that Lev plays an Imperial officer in the Star Wars holiday special, which is pretty cool. I mean, how many people... Would even admit they were in the Star Wars holiday special in the first place? Um, Can I tell you, no. Jim? I got I got <laughs> so excited when I went to
1: uh, Disney one day <laughs> because I saw Star Wars holiday special, and I was like, "Star Wars holiday special? Are you kidding me?" And then I went to it, and it was the Lego version. Wah, wah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was
1: well, like, darn it. <laughs> there,
2: there's there's been talk that. Um, they're actually going to make a new Star Wars holiday special. And uh, they're going to make it the right way. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. You know? Uh, But anyways. Uh, Also, we want to say happy birthday to Marsha Hunt, who played Anna Jameson in an episode uh, Too Short a Season from TNG. And what's special about her, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure. She's celebrating... Her hundred and fourth birthday, bam! That's wow, because awesome. uh, awesome. I, I was like, should I move her up to Charles to Eric's list? And I had to go and verify it. And no, hundred and four years young and still kicking. So happy birthday to Marcia Hunt. Uh, she was an interesting character. If you guys remember, that was the episode where uh, where the dude takes the the anti aging. Um, drug you remember that one
1: uh yes and she turns from the old from that actress into well she eventually turns into a younger woman right in
2: there too no she refuses. she won't take Oh, she refuses refuses it
5: and he takes it
2: and he he dies of young age he he, he, keeps a benjamin buttons deal (laughs) it goes on there um but she played a great part in that so a happy birthday 104th birthday i uh, would also like to say happy birthday to todd staswick who played talik in the enterprise episode kirshana he was a stalagmite in that episode
4: so happy birthday to todd <laughs> we know we know syranite. better, we know better.
2: Yeah, yeah Yeah. okay well okay he's a serenite. i still like stalactites better but anyways you're right he's a serenite. and uh we'd like to say happy birthday to Herschel Sparber, who played President Jarish Inyo in the DS9 episode Homefront and Paradise Lost. We'd also like to say happy birthday. Now, this next one, uh, we're saying happy birthday to him for a Star Trek role, but this guy has been in, like, a lot of stuff. He was in Coneheads. Um, He was in Laverne and Shirley. He's been on The X-Files. I mean, just on and on and on. But we're going to say happy birthday to him as the Clown of Fear from Boy's episode, The Thaw. And we're talking about Michael McKeon. And you would definitely yeah, recognize his face if you saw him.
1: You um, definitely would. That's that weird character. He's like the he's like the manifestation of other people's fears, right? He's like a hologram. It's weird. It's weird. I it's mean, weird.
4: super creepy.
2: Uh, but um, on the X-Files, he switches bodies with Fox Mulder and he's, and he's got the hots for skull and he's trying to hit on Scully and, and whatnot. And, and it, 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 it's, it was a great episode. And he played a great Fox Mulder, um, by the way. So um, yeah. Happy birthday. And, and he was in Coneheads. Did, you, did any guys see that little movie called Coneheads? I
4: oh, did, man. but
2: I did, yeah. I could
1: not tell you uh, which character he was to tell you the truth. It's been a yeah. While.
2: Yeah, he was the, uh, the um, immigration officer who was after the Coneheads for being illegal aliens. So ah, he, played a, he, he was a good role in that one, too. And I always do the Klingons last. I oh. save the Klingons for the end. And I do have a Klingon to say happy birthday to this week. We want to say happy birthday to Pro, <clears throat> Paul Rosilli. Kapla! He played Brigadier Curla in Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. Um, can we talk so can to- we talk
1: very briefly about Curla's forehead, Jim? Because it is not a turtle head. It is not a Star Trek motion picture head. It is just another version of the Klingon forehead.
2: So lay off people.
1: There is <laughs> yeah, variety it's, it's,
2: it's, they're, <laughs> Yeah there you know I, I there's a line in Star Trek Picard where they mention that the northern um, Romulans have Romulans. an eyebrow ridge. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Romulans had and uh, that's all it takes. Um, you know, period. Uh, but the Klingons, they've constantly been changing and and you know, the way they twenty four yes, right?
1: 24
2: houses, 24 houses, lots and lots of houses. Yeah. And they've you know, they've changed the Klingons. As they get more money, as the budget's raised, they change the Klingons. Uh, they no longer run around with shoe polish on their face and little handlebar mustaches. They've changed. And, uh, you know, so there. And and, and I, I put this on our Facebook page all the time. I post it. Whenever I see people complaining about the Klingons, um, you can find it on our Facebook page. Uh, for Star Trek The Motion Picture... Gene Roddenberry did a sketch of what he wanted the Klingons to look like in Star Trek, the motion picture. And it's, oddly enough, if you look at the sketch, they're the Klingons from Star Trek Discovery. And they just couldn't do it back in 1979. And so we got the Spineheads, which is awesome. Mark Leonard played an awesome Spinehead Klingon in Star Trek, the motion picture. And they refined that when they did the TV show so they could do more quicker and easier. And they came up with the turtle head that Worf wears and so on and so forth. But Klingons are Klingons are Klingons. Let's not be racist people. <laughs> as long as
1: they act like a Klingon, it's a Klingon as far as I'm concerned.
2: It is a Klingon. So guys, that wraps up our first segment. Believe it or not, uh, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? And we are having fun. Uh, once again, I want to remind you guys, our phone number here is... Uh, 646-668-2433. Give us a call and uh, share your sites. We'll get you on the air as soon as possible. But right now we have to take our first commercial break of the night. So run, don't walk to the microwave, throw in those pizza bites, throw in those egg rolls, throw in those chicken wings, and uh, run right back because you don't want to miss Star Trek news, which is coming right up after this very quick commercial break.
0: It's been a long road
5: Getting from there to here It's been a long
0: time
5: But your time is finally here You can feel the
0: change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith not your car we want to hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe in just talking today. you have got faith in your fingers. All you got to do is sound out. You can reach us right now. We've got faith. We've got faith.
2: Faith that you call. And we're back, and we're about to do our Star Trek news, which means time for another soundbite.
1: Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
4: Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete.
2: And we have a lot of Star Trek news, but first we have a caller. So see if I can get this thing to work. Let me see. Hello. Thank you for calling. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Would that be me? Hello. Hello.
0: Yeah.
2: Hello. <laughs> Hello. You're live on the air with Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight?
4: Are you talking to me? Hello. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. This, this is Vice Admiral Desiree Terribon of Outpost Phoenix in London, Ontario, Canada. Hi, Jim. Awesome. How Woo-hoo. are you doing? Woo! Finally got through. Woohoo! Didn't think Canada could get through to the United States for a talk show. I proved them wrong once again. <laughs> you,
2: you, <laughs> you got right across the border. <laughs>
4: And no requirement for a shot or a oh. transporter lock-on of any sort. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Nope>, none whatsoever. I <laughs> think tick get through. I'm missing <laughs> the cons right now. We don't have them obviously going on uh, up in our part of the world here for obvious reasons. I have been reviewing over my uniforms, and I see that I have a requirement for a brand-new belt buckle for my – monster maroon of khan uniform i'm having a hell of a time to try to find a replacement nowadays
2: wow so uh there's no conventions uh going on at all
4: be in toronto i know london currently is in a whole pattern still we're looking at possibly next year to maybe restart things but uh i know the last convention i attended was in 2019 i got to meet uh, denise crosby and that was a, uh, a unique experience, and then a couple of years prior to that, I had the chance to meet LeVar Burton here, also in London, and the year previous to that, which was 2017, I met Mr. William Shatner for the fourth time in my life, and I was absolutely tickled pink to know that now he's a space astronaut and went up for four minutes and got to see the world from a better perspective than we'll ever get that chance to do.
0: mm mm-hmm. and-
4: And we do have, we we are
2: going to be talking about, we are are going to be talking about, we we, we, we are going to be talking about uh, Shatner Says What in a minute. And um, so we're about to start our convention calendar, guys. And I have to go because my wife is calling me. So uh, can you guys, uh, can can you guys take over for me? I'll be right back. Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: So. Uh let's start out our convention calendar here. Uh we like to give a shout out to all of the upcoming conventions and we're sorry we're not having many up in uh, Canada, but I actually think we might have a couple eh, we might have a couple on the calendar in Canada. We'll have to see. But uh the ones that we're tracking this week uh start with the New Mexico Comic and Film Expo 2021 that's being held in October, uh the 29th through the 31st. In Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, at the Albuquerque Convention Center. So go check that out, the New Mexico Comic and Film Expo. Uh, We're also tracking. And don't take a
4: left turn in Albuquerque. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, That's right. Pop out of a little ground (laughs) hole. The Luca Comics and Games Festival, uh, October 29th through November 1st, 2021, in Luca Polo Fieri in Luca, Italy, which I was mentioning last week is a town I've been to. It's a old medieval walled city and man what a cool place to go to a convention so go check out the luca comics and games convention october 29th through november 1st we're also checking out the arctic comic con uh 2021 october 30th through 31st in the denaena civic and convention center in anchorage alaska uh charles do you want to take the next couple here
3: okay We've got Supernova Comic Con and Gaming Expo, uh, Halloween Weekend, the 30th and 31st in Adele Showground in Wayland, uh, South Australia, Australia. Then we got Soda City Comic Con. The same weekend, the 30th and 31st, in Hampton Roads Convention Center in Hampton, Virginia. Then we got the Akron Comic Con 2021, <coughs> <coughs> November 6th and 7th, <coughs> me, um Meadow and Sun Fatigue Center in. Cuyahoga
4: Falls, Ohio. Yeah, that's a weird Cayuga Falls,
1: I think is how they pronounce that. (laughs) Uh, Excellent. We're also tracking the Rhode Island Comic Con uh, up around Jim's Way, November 5th through 7th, 2021, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center and Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence, Rhode Island. The Sci-Fi Pop Fest 2021, November 6th at Lake County Fairgrounds in Eustis, Florida. Rocky Mountain Con November sixth through seventh at the Embassy Suites uh, in Denver, Colorado. What else, Charles?
3: Then we got the Empire Comic Feast twenty twenty one November thirteenth in Lewis Lewis A Walk JCC in Greater Rochester in Rochester, New York mm uh-huh. BitCon New England in Portland. November thirteenth. At the Devil Tree by Hilton Hotel Portland, Maine. South Portland. Sorry, Eric, thought that might have been your area.
0: Wrong one.
3: <laughs> so far it looks like Destination <coughs> Excuse me. Destination Star Trek London. The schedules for November twelfth to fourteenth. McSell Convention Center, Royal, Victoria Dock, London, England.
1: And our oh, last you want to grab a couple? Yep, our last three conventions here. We've got Super Mega Fest, November nineteenth through twenty first, uh at the Sheridan Framingham Hotel, oh. Framingham Mass. Starbase Indy, uh November twenty sixth through twenty eighth, Marriott East, Indianapolis in Indianapolis, Indiana, and Charles has our last one.
3: And I want to bring up because I might get involved with this one: the LA Comic Con, December 3rd through 5th, in the Los, Veg- Los Angeles Convention Center in Los Angeles, California. This, I know the group that I belong to, the Fleet, is going to make a presence there, and I believe this may be Michelle Nichols' farewell
1: event.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's worth going to see anyway. And then if it is her farewell event, my gosh, more power to you. Um, So there are so many great conventions here. If you would like us to mention your convention on the air here, you can just send us a message through our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash trektalking, and uh, just leave us a message, and we will get you on our convention calendar. So, Uh, Moving forward from the convention calendar, we are going to head into the news, and our very first story this week has to do with, of course, um, the series that I'm kind of most excited about upcoming here, Uh, Star Trek Prodigy, aims to introduce the series to a younger audience. The Star Trek franchise is among the most venerable of all 20th century entertainment properties. Having already birthed nine TV series and 13 feature films since its initially short-lived debut run in the 1960s, the Thinking Persons space opera has mapped out the furthest reaches of the galaxy and all points in between. But now, it's prepared to boldly breach a demographic that has not yet specifically attempted to been tapped before. Kids, driven by showrunners Kevin Hageman and Dan Hageman, Hangeman, uh, as well as director Ben Kibone, Nickelodeon's animated Star Trek prodigy, will introduce a fresh cast of protagonists as well as animated versions of legacy characters, in particular the Star Trek Voyager fan favorite Catherine Janeway voiced by returning actor Kate Mulgrew. This will certainly not be Star Trek's maiden voyage into animation. Most recently, Star Trek Lower Decks launched on CBS All Access in 2020. It will, however, be the first to specifically target a younger audience. Nickelodeon president of animation Ramsey Nato said... I was never skeptical that Prodigy could manage to appeal to both younger newcomers and adult fans of the series, crediting director Hibon for bringing a vision style and a level of sophistication to the show that exceeded all expectations. It's an aspirational show, she continues. Nickelodeon's core audience is ages 6 to 11, but the show's serialized storytelling and character relationships are so sophisticated the stakes are high, and it really stretches to the older end of our audience." Star Trek Prodigy will premiere on Paramount Plus October 28th. And we've talked a lot about uh, Star Trek Prodigy here on the podcast, just the quality of what we're seeing so far, the quality of the animation looks really good. Um, and I, for one, as a as a father, I'm excited about another show that I can easily share with my kids without ever even thinking twice about it.
4: Now, That's do we...
1: That...
4: Go That's ahead.
3: a show that may not have that many references to Star Trek, so it's not going to be as difficult to explain to your
1: daughter what's going on. That's right. That's right. And the thing that I really like about the trailers that we've seen so far is not only do they look really good, and there's a lot of cool, like just bright colors, and it's kind of a visual feast, but I think the focus of the show is supposed to really be on this group of young characters who is kind of banding together for the first time. So there's a real like teamwork focus, which I think is something that of course, kids always need a little bit of coaching on. (laughs) And especially these days when we've just spent a year um, separate from all of our friends, Um, some of our younger people may have either forgotten or not, you know, had the opportunity to be trained in that way. And so um, Prodigy will be a way that they can kind of see that modeled out there in the Star Trek universe. And um, you know, their parents who love Star Trek can, can kind of smile alongside them and get all the jokes that they don't get. (laughs) Yep. Cool. Well, uh, Well, Charles, why don't you continue on for us?
3: I was going to say, seeing Mira Bacard go into attack in the Star Trek The Mirror War number one. After wrapping up Kirk's five-year mission, IDW now jumps forward to the 24th century and a different universe with Star Trek Mirror War. The new comics miniseries brings back writers Scott and David Tipton to bring up their previous <coughs> <coughs> miniseries, the Star Trek Net- Next Generation Mirror Universe, where this new 8 series brings measure in cunning and cruelty. Joining them in the journey in the Terran Empire cover artist J.K. Woodard and artist Gavin Smith
0: <clears throat>
3: returned to the mirror universe of the next generation with a brand new series from writers David and Scott Tipton where familiar faces and exci- exciting surprises await around every corner. Talk of the mirror universe Captain Ricard must first use control of the ship building planet uh, Dory, no problems, and Dory is inside Kingan Cardassian alliance, alliance territory. Star Trek: The Mirror War, number one, is available now. Pick up individual, digi- pick up, pick up individual copies at your local comic store, or digital editions are available through com- Amazon Comicsology.
1: Oh, uh, man, Charles, you I know that you've read a number zero of this series like I have, and did yeah. that get you as excited for this series as it got me?
3: Oh, it's, Broken Mirror was a fabulous series. Terra Incognito, that was a fabulous series. I can't wait to see what they do next. And then episode zero was just a perfect teaser. It like, oh, yeah. Especially yeah, when
1: Picard wants to go for the top. That's right. <laughs> yes, and if you haven't read any of these Mirror Universe comics yet, you get uh, you get the awesome version of Picard, which wears a sleeveless uh, Starfleet uniform. He's got big muscles and he's got an awesome goatee. So uh, if you always wanted to see Patrick Stewart buffed out and kicking butt, these comics may be for you. and uh, as Charles knows there is another fan favorite character that is currently, that was featured in the Terra Incognita series, who it looks like we may be getting a little bit more of the story from. So I'm excited about that as well.
3: Yep. Yep. Awesome. One of my favorite minor characters is back.
1: That's right. All right. Uh, sounds like we don't have Jim back yet, so we're just going to keep plowing forward here. Uh, Jim's story would have been this one. Bob Heron. Legendary Stuntman and Star Trek's Kalis the Unforgettable has unfortunately passed away at 97 years old. Legendary Hollywood Stuntman and Star Trek veteran Bob Heron, who in his 60-plus career year, uh, year career doubled screen giants such as Tony Curtis, Dean Martin, and Warren Beatty, died on October 10th after suffering complications from a fall. He was 97 years old. His natural athleticism led him to stunt work starting in 1950. Although he mostly featured in Westerns, Heron also doubled in such classic films as 1956's The Ten Commandments and the 1960 epic epic Spartacus. He also is a founding member of the Stuntman's Association. Heron had a number of connection points to the Star Trek universe, first serving as Jeffrey Hunter's stunt double in the pilot episode The Cage and then playing a crew member in the first season episode, Charlie X. Heron is best known, though, for originating the role of Kayles the Unforgettable, or at least an alien recreation of him, in the TOS episode, The Savage Curtain. Following his work on Star Trek, Heron continued in the industry until the age of 86, providing stunt services for TV shows like Mission Impossible, Batman, The Six Million Dollar Man, and Wonder Woman. He also did stunts for films such as Diamonds Are Forever, The Black Hole, and Poltergeist. Um, So really, really experienced and storied and venerated uh, stuntman Bob Heron, unfortunately gone uh, as of October 10th, um, and connected to Star Trek. So unfortunate news, but important news for us all to know. Right, Charles? Yep, it is. All right,
3: Charles. All right. Let's next. Well, this was an interesting one story that Jim popped up to grab. It wasn't exciting playing her. Star Trek legend Marina Sirtis on reprise reprising her iconic role. Marina Sirtis is remembered for playing the beloved Diana Troy in the iconic sci-fi series Star Trek: The Next Generation. The actor has addressed the show's return with her fan favorite Sir Patrick Stewart, who plays Captain John Luke in the Star Trek Picard. The second season of Star Trek Picard finished production earlier last month, right before the big Star Trek Day event. Raina returned to the series in 2019, where she applied to the role as Deanna. Gerald admitted she wasn't excited about starring as her iconic character again explained. It sounded very ungracious, but I think everyone was more excited than me. The TV star said she enjoyed being back on the set with her co-stars, so that it was not exciting. But for playing the part, I have played my character for 30 years on and off, Maureen explained. It wasn't exciting playing there, but it was exciting being, excited being back on the set again, hanging out with Jonathan frey and Patrick, Marina's playing that she is still in contact with all of her star set actors, including Denise Roxy, Will Wheaton, Jason McFadden. You're absolutely friends for life, Marina
1: (laughs) Marks. It's amazing to me that, um, you know, she was saying that she wasn't excited about the character, but was excited to be back on set because I thought uh that episode that she was in, I mean she just did a great job with the character, right? So wow. maybe maybe it's just so easy for her to fall right back into it. Yep, I'd say so.
2: Hey, can you guys hear me? Hey, it's the return of Jim. I am back, yes. We <laughs> we had an emergency we had a mouse emergency. Ah well, and this the, is
1: live radio, folks, so you never know what you. The, gonna the get wife's running it. around
2: screaming that there's this giant man-eating creature running through the house, <laughs> and it's at least twice as big as AJ. And I, and I'm like, oh my god, really, really, Can I? and
0: well, AJ. Oh, Jim, why did you let
3: your, why did you let your tars out? Your tars
2: supposed to stay in the bedroom. You know, and and you know what? The funny thing is, AJ is just sleeping away on the couch as the mouse runs by. He doesn't care. It's just like, oh, well. The dog was chasing after the mouse, but not the cat. So, big emergency. So, well,
1: can I tell you, Jim, that in Oregon, we have mice that are oh. twice
2: as big as your cat, and
1: they're called nutrias. <laughs> oh, well... <laughs> They yeah. are rodents. They are giant water-dwelling rodents. And the first time you see one, you're like, "Wait, is that a groundhog? Wait, is that a mouse? Wait, is that a... Holy crap, that thing's big!" <laughs> he
2: uh, he he ran up the wires and and ran inside of the um, of our electric fireplace. He's inside of there somewhere, and <laughs> so I put a mouse trap there with some peanut butter, and uh, hopefully he'll come out and it will snap. But anyways. I'm back, guys. Sorry for the excitement. This is live radio. Well, no problem. Where
1: are we? We are still doing the news, and we are all the way down on Eric's Brent Spiner article. So I'm just about to tell the good listeners about Brent Spiner hinting at his new character in Star Trek Picard Season 2. In the first season of Star Trek Picard, Brent Spiner reprised his Star Trek The Next Generation role of Data, playing the android character both in dream sequences of Jean-Luc Picard and in the form of a simulation created from Data's memories stored in his brother B4, also played by Spiner in Star Trek Nemesis. At his request, Picard shut down the simulation, giving final closure after the character's death in Nemesis. One might then assume that Spiner is back to play scientist Dr. Alton Inigo Sung, a new character in Picard Season 1 who was the human son of Dr. Noonien Soong, Data's creator, who was also played by Spiner on TNG. Last year, co-showrunner Akiva Goldsman had stated Alton Sung was developed to, quote, create a platform for which there could be more Brent in ensuing seasons. However, Spiner told Inverse, quote, I can tell you I'm playing a member of the Sung family and that I'm not playing a character I've ever played before. Spiner has already played quite a few members of the Sung family, both human and android, to date. In addition to data, Spiner has played two other Sung-type androids, Lauren B. Four, and three human members of the Sung family, Noonying, Alton, and 22nd century ancestor Eric Sung on Enterprise. One thing we do know about Spiner is that his character will interact with Q. John Delancey confirmed that he had scenes with Spiner, some of which were directed by Jonathan Freaks. For his part, Frakes also talked about working with Spiner on Picard Season 2, saying, Brett Spiner, who played Data, is back in another role. While we have seen John Delancey's cue in two trailers, we have not yet seen Spiner, indicating that Paramount Plus is keeping this new character under wraps. Season 2 of Star Trek Picard arrives in February 2022. It'll be on Paramount Plus in the U.S., and in Canada, it will air on CTV, Sci-Fi, and stream on Crave. Outside of North America, Picard is available on Amazon Prime Video. And, uh, you know, guys, I'm always up for some more Brent Spiner. Uh, I kind of love how this guy is able to continue to age and yet play relevant characters to Data. <laughs> it's just so cool. I love how they've done that.
2: And, and you know, what? Uh, because it's a time travel story, he, if you remember on Enterprise, he played, was that his grandfather?
1: Uh, it was a couple, couple of generations back, but yeah, Eric, one of his, one of his ancestors.
2: And he could actually play since, since this is Picard's going back. Who knows who he could play? Maybe he could play the son or the original. Who knows? Oh yeah. But it is a time travel, so he could be anybody, anywhere, anytime. Maybe he's gonna play. Maybe he's gonna play the crazy guy from Independence Day with the wild hair at Area 51. <laughs> That would be awesome. Oh, boy. That would be delicious. Well, anyways, guys, uh, I'm I'm sorry I missed that entire segment, um, but I'm back. We have to take uh, another quick commercial break, but this time, since we're talking about Picard and we're talking about time travel, uh, we're going to take this break and we're going to listen to the Picard trailer, just to wet your whistles a little bit. So here it is, the Star Trek Picard Season 2 trailer and we'll be right back.
0: I first saw you as a man who chose the stars. But after all this time, I've come to wonder, have you been seeking or running?
5: Do you recall what I said, Jean-Luc, when last we parted ways? The trial. Never ends.
3: Q.
4: I am way too old for your bullshit.
0: Guys, we have big problems.
2: Something moved us. He went back in time and turned our world into a totalitarian nightmare. Do
5: you understand what this means? Time has been broken.
2: I will get us home together. The only way to heal our future is to go back and repair the past. There are ways of traveling in time. Great. Now what?
0: Welcome to the earth of the 21st century.
5: You're saying we can undo this
0: nightmare? Let's go to work. You can pilot a starship, but you can't drive. Whoa, 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 whoa. You two really need to work on your communication. Right. See, there you go. Now you're in sync. We have three days
2: before the future has changed irrevocably. But even in the darkest of circumstances, there is a light.
0: Where are you taking us? home
2: and we're back and uh did i miss the prodigy story you did but we can oh. go back to it because i know you had a sound bite as right. well yeah i i wanted to talk a little bit about uh prodigy do we still have our listener with us um no we lost him with uh, our listener from Ontario. Hmm.
1: Well, thanks for joining us. Sorry we lost you. Uh, Yeah, we had a little technical difficulty there.
2: Yep. Uh, But anyways, I want to talk a little bit about Prodigy. Prodigy is going to be premiering on Paramount Plus before it moves over to Nickelodeon on October 28th. And so, which is what, next week, right? Yeah, yeah. one week from tonight. One week from tonight. And so I wanted to play the trailer for you guys, uh, which is right here.
0: Oh. There's no purpose here.
5: How did a ship get inside here? The more important
1: question, how do we get it out? Join
0: us. You always wanted to see the stars.
4: On behalf of Starfleet,
0: welcome aboard.
5: Uh, what is that? Have you ever even flown a ship before? No. Does it show? Ah! Disabling
0: gravity. Okay. Ah! get
4: to go there and explore. This ought to be
0: good.
4: It appears we are fighting now.
5: No one shall
0: escape.
4: Get me my ship! There goes our exit.
0: We're so dead. Fire the pew, pew, pew button. I don't see a pew, 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 pew button. Just hit them all until it goes pew, pew. We got lasers, baby! (laughs) I've seen my share of wayward crews, and I can tell you this: you've got potential.
2: So there you go. There's the trailer for Prodigy, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think the animation is really, really good. I was really impressed with that. And I think it's, it's good to bring younger viewers into Star Trek. And I've heard a lot of people complaining and whining and moaning and carrying on about it. Uh, they haven't even seen an episode and they hate it already because it's dumbed down and so on and so forth. But I, I don't think that's the case at all. What do you guys think? Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, the
1: quality of stuff that they're producing these days is so high that I have to believe uh, that it's going to be Star Trek as we know it, uh, but without the edge. So that is palatable to younger viewers, you know. Uh, I think that there are certain Star Trek tenants that we could probably talk about, uh, that we do talk about, It being one of them. And, you know, it's definitely going to demonstrate those, right? That's... That's the evidence that we have right now,
2: and it's not a Starfleet crew to be first of all, and but but we do know that Chakotay is going. to, There was a whole list of of actors that were going to be on it that were Starfleet officers. So uh, I don't know how they're going to work. Are, are they all going to be holograms? Are they going to be flashbacks? Um, well, we don't know how they're going to work them into Prodigy, but they are going to be there. Uh, So I'm assuming that Starfleet um, uh, values will be incorporated into the new show, obviously, Mm -hmm. but not like we're used to. And any time you change something, people go crazy. They just they flip out. Um, They don't like change. We were talking, look at the Klingon change. They're still going on about that, you know? (laughs) So... (laughs) You know, any time that Star Trek steps outside of the pre-determined uh, box that fans have of what Star Trek is and should be, they flip out, and they hate it, and they go crazy. And um, I, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm gonna, I can tell you this. I have watched every Star Trek that has come out, including the animated series when it came out. I have loved every Star Trek I have ever watched. Some I don't like as much as others, that is true, but it's all Star Trek. Even Star Trek Nemesis that we're going to talk about next, um, I can find redeeming qualities even in that movie. So every Star Trek that's come out, I've enjoyed, and they've all been Star Trek. And I have no doubt in my mind that Prodigy will be no different than every other Star Trek show we have seen to date. Okay, it's and, a it's different got, approach,
5: and it's got Jane different Way. angle. Come
1: on. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: I mean, as so, a Janeway fan,
1: that is a big enough draw for me.
2: Yeah, she looks good as a cartoon. She does. You know, I think I think they did a they they capture her likeness really well.
4: In, yeah, it was uh, cool for an right? animated version. Yeah, I remember
1: hearing an interview with her uh, where she was talking about the character and she, uh, you know, she was actually consulted about the way that her character looks and she was able to actually make adjustments along the way. Um, she talks in the interview about things that she didn't like about her character at first, little adjustments that they made to the way that she looks and the, the kind of um, air that she's trying to project with that character. So um, very, very interesting.
2: Yeah, I'm looking I'm very much looking forward to it myself. So I'm I'm going to give it a chance yep, and we're really going to will. talk about it on this podcast. I don't know the, the first episode is going to be an hour long. But I don't know if the if all the episodes are going to be an hour or they're going to go back to a half an hour like Lower Decks. That I don't know. Yeah, the we'll first episode will be an hour. Yeah, the first I mean all they've announced
1: so far is the first episode, so who knows.
2: Now those people that were lucky enough to go to New York city comic-con got to see the first three episodes. Mm. Mm. So I haven't heard any leaks or anything on, on any of the pages I visit. People are pretty mum about it. As it should be, you know, Yeah. we'll have to just wait and see, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to give it a chance. And, uh, I think, I think the characters that they've chosen to put in the show are great, the ones we've seen so far. So, yeah, I like the design of the Starship, or what is it, the Proto-Star?
1: The, the Proto-Star, yep, <laughs> yep, yeah, it looks, and I, you a, know, this is, this is set in 2383, and to me, that looks like a fairly newish ship design, so it's not like they I don't think it's like they find an old ship. It looks like somehow this new ship gets into some kind of interior space, and that's how these
2: guys find it. Yeah, I'm interested to find out how the ship got there and what happened to the crew that was on the ship. The other interesting thing, too, is that Janeway being a hologram, we haven't seen a lot about holograms so far on uh, You Got the Mouse, all right, everybody. <laughs> okay, everybody. Big, big <laughs> news alert. The mouse went for the peanut butter in the trap and is yeah, history. Okay? okay. He's yeah, he's done. He bit the dust. So that's good news. And A.J. can keep sleeping on the couch.
5: There we go. You know. Thank goodness.
2: That was it. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good news. But, um. I'm interested to see how did the sh- how did the ship get there and what happened to the crew that was on it and with holograms we've seen we've seen what they did with synthetic life on Picard but what happened when the doctor got back and we we know that the doctor takes a human wife because we see it in Voyager in the final episode Endgame and uh, I'm assuming that the doctor is a fully sentient hologram who's given the same rights and privileges that they gave Data would you guys Say that's a safe assumption.
4: Oh yeah, they yes, deal with that. They but, deal with that during voyager. Yeah, go ahead, Charles.
3: But remember this, and I got reminded of it. All of Rios and crew are hologram. Isn't all of which crew, crew? All right, which crew is? Which all of that crew is hologram?
2: Which so crew is that? What they can do with
3: hologram? Oh
2: well, yeah, right. The the uh, the his crew and they all look just like him.
4: Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, he's yes. Yeah, sorry, so we're talking about prodigy? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, but we don't know.
2: What I'm saying is, um, the way he treats the hol- he treats the holograms on that. He doesn't treat them like their crew. He just you know he's he is very rude to well, them, and there's, and, a, and, and,
3: and, there's and, a backstory <laughs> to that whole issue there too. So there is. Well, his, I, you know,
2: his, you
1: know I, mean, I, I think he becomes famous for his book, right? His like his his holograms be free book becomes really famous, and that is no. I, uh,
3: no, actually, I'm talking about the Rios book. Oh, you get the history of how they get created. <laughs> Why they got created? And that's an interesting story in itself.
2: And again, we, we've talked about it, and that's great. But if it wasn't on the show, we can't really—it's you can't really hold it up to a to the p- microscope if it wasn't right, on the show. Because the thing
3: he, is, we still got we still the we still had interactions with his crew
2: on the but what yeah. is the state so. of holograms in the future? Are they treated like data, or are they treated like toasters? we We don't really know that because we've never they've never addressed it. And
1: I see what Charles is talking about now. I didn't understand that he had made the the leap over to Picard, but I think what he's saying is that the the Rios holograms in Picard are treated not like sentient beings, but like tools. But they actually right. do have free will and they do make decisions based on their programming. Like, you know, the the they choose to interact with people in certain ways based on their programming and they allow Rios to kind of explore his different like personalities and stuff. But in terms of the doctor himself and what he brings to the table, you know, he he essentially is known as the first, sentient hologram, I think, at the in end game uh for Star Trek Voyager. And he becomes famous as a result of of um of his book. And he as you said, he takes a human wife and that kind of stuff. So to me it seems like holograms are still out there, but they but there must be ways in which certain ones are allowed to develop into sentient beings. Because the only reason the doctor was able to do that was he was given the opportunity to, right? So are all so, holograms given that opportunity? Probably not, if we take the way they treated since as a clue.
2: So what I'm wondering is, is the Janeway hologram based on the doctor? And that's why she's... Uh... Well, they've said, they've said that she is
1: just an emergency training hologram. She's an, she's an ETH. So to me, she is like the doctor was when he was first turned on in Voyager. But, you know... If you left her on all the time, and sent her on adventures, and gave her a mobile emitter, she might have the ability to uh,
2: evolve. You know. Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting conundrum because we've seen a lot of holographic um, characters on TNG, like Moriarty, for instance, or uh, Cyrus Redblock, and uh, they just well Moriarty oh, yeah. is still. Yeah, still
1: he So he is still out there but man, the end of that episode, we could get into that episode because the end it of that is. episode where Picard kind of re-imprisons him back in his own little holographic world, I'm not entirely that's, that's a little bit of one of those moments in Star Trek where I'm kind of like uh, did Picard do the right thing?
2: Not so sure. Well, it's just the it's whole hologram thing uh, to me it's, it's as fascinating as the synth thing and how the Federation deals with synths and how they deal with holograms,
5: you yep. know, yep.
2: it's a, it's a whole ball of wax there. And the fact that Janeway, so I, I, th- I think it's safe to assume that every starship has one because in, in first contact, Beverly turns on the EMH. Yeah. So yeah. I think well, it's we- safe. And now that we know that the that Janeway is on the protostar, I think it's safe to assume that every Federation starship comes with holographic crew. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Um, Well, certainly the ones who are.
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: I mean, what's interesting is that she shows up, I think on the bridge. Do they, is it specific? Like, do they show her the bridge? I'm trying to remember now in the trailer, if they show her the bridge or not, but I would assume that for example, the whole ship probably has holographic emitters, right? So she could probably pop up anywhere. Whereas at first the doctor was confined
2: to sick bay. Right. But we, we've seen, we, we, we see the holographic doctor on Voyager. We see him on enterprise E. We also see him on the, um, uh, um, the ship that splits into four different ships there, the Prometheus, the Prometheus with a different holographic doctor. So, just based on that, I I think it's safe to say that Starfleet installs holographic crew members on their starships. Yeah, after that so. point. What's well, um, interesting so the fact is the is, way
1: that Rios does it, where he's got so many different ones. Like, I wonder if it's like that, where they do have an emergency command hologram, they
2: do have an emergency medical hologram, and you know. I'm thinking they're there, they're just not utilized. But Rios talks to his.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah,
3: <laughs> Actually, the previous captain of Rios' ship had it installed. It may have been installed when he had the ship built. All
4: right, no more spoilers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, I, for me, one of the high points of Voyager was the holographic doctor. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I love the character. I love what they did with them, And I'm glad that we're going to see a holographic Janeway. And I hope they explore that a little bit. I'm not sure how deep they'll get into it being a kid's show. But I hope they do address it a little bit.
1: I think this is going to be an adventure show. I think there's going to be little quests that they have to go on and little things that they have to do. I mean, she's training them, right? So she's probably going to put them in situations where they need to figure out what to do. You know?
2: And that might be how we see Chakotay and, and the Andorian character and some of the other ones that have been mentioned too. Yeah, maybe through some training, mm-hmm. but overall, I'm really excited about prodigy and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. And I think that time that you can get younger people interested in Star Trek, it's always, a win-win situation it, it yeah. never hurts in fact i remember see here i am old jim telling old stories when um star trek into darkness came out my daughter wanted to go see it with me and her friend wanted to go see it with 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 us so here's the old guy and his daughter and his daughter's friend from from college and we go off to see star trek into darkness and when you found out that he was Khan and not John Harriman, old people like me were like, oh, my God. But my daughter and her friends had no idea. Well, my daughter did a little bit because I've ingrained it in her from birth. But, but her friend didn't. And they're like, Khan. It, just, it didn't have the meaning to them that it did to us. So they didn't, they didn't know who Khan was. And so I'm holding a little a vigil out there in the lobby telling them about Space Seed and the Wrath of Khan. And, and it didn't dawn on me that these kids weren't even born when I was watching the Wrath of Khan. So, yeah. you know, and, and now they're all going to run, run out and watch the Space Seed and they're going to go out and see the Wrath of Khan because they didn't even know it existed. And if Prodigy can do that for young kids today and open up their minds to the wonderful world that Star Trek is, how can that be a bad thing? Yep. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it doesn't matter whether they watch TOS or DS9 or Void. It doesn't matter because the message behind Star Trek is all the same. It's the window dressing that changes, but the message remains the same. And I think it's a message we really need today. And if we can get kids interested in it, then, then that's a great thing. Power to them. Mm -hmm. So our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And we're talking about Prodigy right now, which is going to premiere on Paramount Plus next week. Um, And we're about to talk about Star Trek Nemesis, my all-time favorite, favorite Star Trek movie. Um, Next to maybe Generations. Uh, So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So get your speed dial ready so you guys can call and tell us how much you love Star Trek Nemesis as well. But first, first, before we do that, I have the final, final story of our, of our, uh, Star Trek news segment. And, uh, it's a good one. It's a Shatner says, what? And it's a good Shatner says what actually, I think it's a Shatner says what that's very relevant to this time of the year. So uh, before I do the story, I want to play a little mood music for you guys. (laughs) Maybe. There we go. And for those of you who don't know, that's the classic John Carpenter theme from Halloween. It's been featured in every Halloween movie, right up to the latest one, Halloween Kills, which is currently playing in theaters right now. And you're saying, Uncle Jim, you're old, you're senile, you've gone off the deep end. Why are you playing theme songs from horror movies on a Star Trek podcast? Well, (laughs) most Old Star Trek fans know the answer to that question, but if you don't, I'm about to tell you in our latest, Shatner says, what? So, a William Shatner rips Halloween for using Captain Kirk mask. Are they kidding? Diehard fans of the scary cult slasher franchise Halloween know that killer Michael Myers mask was actually a Captain Kirk mask stretched out and painted white. But what does the real Captain Kirk think about it? Shatner '90 recalled his reaction when Sonam told him about the serial killer mask. He said, "I thought, is this a joke? Are they kidding?" Shatner quipped, "I recognized it as the, desk ma- the death mask they made for me. The face made its debut in the first film of Halloween series way back in 1978. They made a mask of my face," Shatner said, <laughs> "out of clay." so that I would not have to be available for prosthetics they would have to put on my face to look old or evil or whatever it was they were making me look like. So somewhere along the line, someone got the mask and made a mask of it for the holiday, Halloween. According to Netflix, the movies that made it, docu-series, Halloween production designer and editor Tommy Lee Wallace went to a magic shop on Hollywood Boulevard in an attempt to find a creepy serial killer-looking mask that will be perfect for the new movie. Up on the shelves were full of face masks of Richard Nixon, and down at the end was Mr. Spock, and right next to it was the blank face of Captain Kirk, Wallace said on the show. For the Kirk mask, Wallace cut out the eyes to make them bigger, removed the eyebrows and sideburns, painted the face a ghostly white, and darkened the hair. The newest installment of the franchise entitled Halloween Kills is currently in theaters and streaming on Peacock. Now, that's an old story. Um, I've, I've heard that for years. I, I never heard the death mask part that Shatner throws in there.
5: Mm-hmm. That was
2: new. But I did know that when they went out, they, they didn't want to use a, a recognizable mask. They Spock is Spock. And so they just went with the, with the Kirk mask and painted it white, cut out the eyes, and, and boom, we have Michael Myers. So I wonder, you know, all those people running around dressed up as Michael Myers, they're actually Captain Kirk
1: running <laughs> around
2: with a butcher knife. i <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know
2: I'm sure somebody,
1: somebody's probably cosplayed a matchup
4: of that at some point.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, I saw, I was watching an interview with Shatner just today. I, I don't know why this is coming up, now 40 some odd years later this is an old story but it's it's making its rounds again now and uh shatner claims that he never saw halloween even to this day he's never seen it and he didn't know about it until someone told him about it but i i i can't i don't know if i believe that because i i heard about this story way 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 back in the 80s i heard about this story so I don't know, but it's an interesting tie-in to Halloween, especially with Halloween coming up right around the corner. All you people that are home watching all the Halloween movies on TV, you're actually watching Captain Kirk. So I thought yeah. that was cool.
1: I'm sure he's back in the news since he just you know went up to space and all that. Uh, that's kind of a big deal, and so I think some of these older William Shatner stories are kind of
2: resurfacing right now. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's probably it. We we have a lot of old stories and they're just coming back. Uh, well, there's a new documentary. There's a new series coming out called um, uh, Show sh- um, Show Stopper or Stop That Show or Oh God, I can't see. I'm old and senile and I can't remember the name. <laughs> but there's a new show coming out on Showtime that's about it's, it's strange strange facts you might not know about. TV shows you think you know everything about. That's basically mm. what it is. Mm-hmm. And and the first one that they did was Star Trek and William Shatner. And that was one of the first facts that they brought up on this uh, new show is that, you know, William Shatner's likeness was used in Halloween, as if, you know, a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but at any rate. So, guys, that pretty much wraps up our Star Trek news. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We're going to take our final, final break of the evening, but we still have a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Nemesis, my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite Star Trek movie ever. I mean, I love this movie in so many ways. I can't even count them. So when we come back, we're going to count them. So don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back right after this very quick message. So go get your chicken wings, get your your uh, pizza bites, whatever you put in the microwave earlier, and bring them back and enjoy them, because we'll be right back after this quick message. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 730 to 930. All hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. We're about to talk about... Star Trek Nemesis. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And before we talk about the movie, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about the movie. Star Trek Nemesis was directed by Stuart Baird. It's the 10th film in the Star Trek franchise, as well as the 4th and final film to star the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. It was written by John Logan from a story developed by Logan, Brent Spiner, and producer Rick Berman. Nemesis held its world premiere at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles on December 9, 2002. The film was released in North America on December 13 by Paramount Pictures and received generally mixed reviews with publications criticizing it for being the least successful in the franchise. The film was a box office failure earning $67 million worldwide against a $60 million budget plans for a final film featuring the next generation cast were scrapped and the film series was rebooted instead with star trek 2009 which was a box office success the film's gross domestic income was the lowest of the franchise it opened at number two in the u.s box office two hundred thousand dollars behind made in manhattan that fact is sad um and was the first Star Trek film not to debut as the highest grossing film of the week. Rotten Tomatoes gives the film a critic rating of 38%. This was the second lowest rating behind Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. So that's right, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier is not the worst rated Star Trek movie. Uh, with an average rating of 5.2. The music for Star Trek Nemesis was composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith, who composed previous entries in the franchise, such as the Academy Award-winning nominated score for Star Trek The Motion Picture, Star Trek V The Final Frontier, Star Trek First Contact, and Star Trek Insurrection, as well as the themes of the television series Star Trek The Next Generation, arranged by Dennis McCarthy, and Star Trek Voyager, one of his final works written before his death. In 2004 I asked this question on our Facebook page Of you guys Our fans On a scale of 1 to 10 With 10 being the best score What score would you give Star Trek Nemesis And Eric What did our Facebook fans have to say About Star Trek Nemesis Well Cynthia
1: Barlow says 2 and I'm being polite Aaron Bowler Says I absolutely love this movie 10 I thought Tom Hardy did an awesome job. David Gregory says, was never keen on this one, about a four. Top fan Michael Sigari says, eight. I'm in the minority. I love this film. I think it's the best one featuring the TNG cast. The battle at the end, which is basically the last third of the film, had me riveted. Troy Brooks said, one, only because the scale doesn't go lower. This is the only Star Trek movie I almost walked out of. Malcolm Walsh, Walsh said three, it didn't feel like a grand finale, characters were acting out of sorts, and it felt like a greatest hits package that stole bits from other Star Trek movies. Fun action, though. Rami Al-Rufia said a two, incredibly disappointing, thankfully somewhat redeemed by Picard season one. Heiko Siebert says a four, too much irrelevant fan service for a movie, and Data's fate in the end felt wrong, just wrong. Ajax Endress says a three, a stinker from the moment the stars started skipping the lake. And Matthew Cromwell gives it an 8.5, much better movie than it gets credit for. Could have been better, but it wasn't Insurrection. And uh, if you add up all of our uh, fan scores and uh, divide by the average, you get a fan score of about 4.6 which uh, on our Trek-talking scale is one-tenth of a percentage below Star Trek V, the final frontier, and the lowest
2: on our list. Yep, it is. So what do you say we dive right in and get started? Star Trek Nemesis, guys, we're talking about it right now. You heard what our Facebook fans had to say about it. You heard what Rotten Tomatoes had to say about it. Now you're going to hear what we have to say about it. If you'd like to give us a call and tell us what you want to say about it, our number here is 646-668-2433. And just remember, opinions are objective, okay? No one's opinion is worth more or less than anyone else's. If you guys have been listening to the podcast or you know anything about me from our Facebook page, my favorite Star Trek movie is what, Eric? Star Trek V. I love, love, love Star Trek 5, and a lot of people hate it. I happen to love it. So, it's all in your opinion, and no one's opinion is any better or any worse than anybody else's. So, let's dive in and talk about Star Trek Nemesis, and we do have a caller on the line. If I can get this to work, let me see. Hello, thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from
5: tonight? It's Nate from Vegas. They it's from Nate Vegas.
2: from Vegas, baby. What's happening with Nate from Vegas?
5: Uh, well, after you guys get through all the rest of the show, then that's when I finally come in when you guys start talking about important stuff.
0: <laughs> all the other stuff
3: important,
2: important, Nate. Stuff. Important <laughs> stuff. Okay. So, <laughs> we're going to talk about important stuff.
1: So, what's really ministers. what's really fun to, that the listeners probably don't know is Nate is actually kind of often in the background, sort of like uh, giving us little bits of information or correcting us or calling us out on things that we say that may not be a hundred percent true. So it is kind of fun because you're often along for the whole podcast, but then yeah, you just call in at the end. <laughs>
2: yep. <laughs> so uh, we we caught the mouse, Nate. The mouse is history.
0: Woo-hoo. Yeah, I heard. I heard.
2: He will bother us no more. My cat, my giant 25-pound cat, laid on the couch sleeping while the mouse was running rampant through the living room. He didn't care. meant nothing to Is him. Is this the first like, time AJ, that you guys have
5: had such an interruption to the show, a runaway mouse? Uh, well, with, with the mouse, yes. First Are mouse. Sure? But, A.J. Uh...
2: jumping on the computer or the dog barking, uh, but never quite like that. Uh, AJ didn't care. He's like, yeah, yeah, mile. yeah, there's a mouse I'm sleeping. Don't bother me. <laughs> my my personal
1: but, greatest hit uh, for shows, though, is definitely Jim's Spiderbite show.
2: Oh, my God, that was terrible. Yeah, that was
1: <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> you should go back and listen to that one, folks, because if you want to hear Jim sound like he is uh, about ready to pass out and Charles and I do 99% of the show, that's the one to listen to. <laughs>
2: I, I I actually I th- I think I did doze off a couple you did. of times. You snored a little bit. He snored just a little but, bit. I, I know I did. <laughs> Anyways. So uh, see that's how great nemesis is. So let's get back to Nemesis. So all right. I, I I wanna say first of all, I you know, something that bothered me a great deal about that movie was the the mind raping of Troy. Never sat well with me. Um, when Sinjin, uh, what's his name there? Shinzon. Um, Vi- Shinzon. yeah, Shinzon Viceroy right. there yeah. was doing the, the long distance Vulcan, Romulan, uh, Riemann mind meld and raping Troy there. I, I, that never felt right to me. Um, I, I didn't feel, it just it didn't work for me. Um, so that, that, that kind of bothered me quite a bit, actually. Um, the dune buggy thing. Really? Okay. Uh, dune buggies, whatever. <laughs> that was kind of like... And, and the fact that you can scan a positronic uh, signature from halfway across the galaxy, so then why didn't everybody in the world know where the Enterprise was? Because it was the only ship that had a positronic person on board. Uh, you know... Uh, and yeah. Wesley Crusher... The last time we saw Wesley, he took off with the Traveler, and he quit Starfleet. And now he's all of a sudden back in Starfleet as an ensign again, and he's on the Enterprise for the wedding. Now, okay, now that I said that, I just want to back up and say I think it was great that they brought Will Wheaton back. He deserves a better send-off, and I hope we see him on another Star Trek show. So I thought that was great that they brought him back. I thought it, it was great to see him again on screen with the rest of the crew because he was not in any of the movies. Um, but why was he there? I mean, it, it, it didn't make any sense. It didn't fit with where we know he was and what happened to him last time we saw him. Um, so, So, yeah, there's that. Uh, there's other things about this movie that bug me. The, the the Mega Maid at the end is the biggest thing that bugs the living crap out of me. This giant ship that's got all these prongs and hinges and doodahs that unfold like this giant transformer goes through this giant space battle, gets blown up, gets shot up, the Enterprise crashes into it, and yet every single articulated arm hinge and doodah, dingy-wingy all unfold and Properly functions after all that. Give me a break. Come on, really? That bugged the hell out of me um, tremendously. Um, but, 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 but. Having said that, I love, I love Commander Donatra I think that she's she's probably my second famous favorite Romulan, next to Mark Leonard, Romulan Commander from Balance of Terror. I think she's a great character. I think she plays a great part. And I, I love what they did with her. I also love the Valdors. I think the Romulan Valdor cruisers in that movie are just outstanding. Uh, they're just just they look great. Uh, the space battle is is one of the highlights of that movie, and I really really liked it uh, a lot. And I think that plus Jerry Goldsmith's uh, theme in the movie. Are about the things that redeem the movie and drag it from a zero up to maybe a two or a three, for me, because um, uh, you know I like to find some good in everything. And those those are my good points for Star Trek Nemesis. Overall, I can't stand the movie. Um, I hate it. It's just I can't even watch it. It's so for me. It's just so bad. It ranks right down there with Generations, for me. But but again, I love Star Trek Five so. Take that with a grain of salt. All right, so that's where I put it. I, I give it a, I give it a three, and I'm, I think I'm being generous. I think Denature, the Valdors, you know, pull that up for me in the outstanding soundtrack. Uh, so I don't want to spend too much time harping on the movie because I know there's a lot of people that like it, just not my favorite. It's my least favorite. Um, so, Derek, what about you? Uh,
1: well. Um... As you guys already know, I like the movie a little bit better than Jim. Um, here's what I'll say: I think the first 30 minutes of the movie is a ton of fun. We get the we get the wedding, we get um, the uh, you know Romulan Senate assassination, uh, and then we do get the the Argo the Argo buggy and the search for B four. Um, which, you know, doesn't bug me in the same way. Uh, to me, that's just kind of a moment when Picard is having a little bit of fun. He's got a big smile on his face while they're racing around in the buggy uh, looking for the positronic things. Um, I definitely think that there's some continuity issues with all of the sudden them being able to scan positronic things from far, far away, but honestly, Star Trek does that fairly frequently, and uh, and you know sometimes we just look the other way and let it happen, so that part just didn't didn't bug me. So I love the first 30 minutes of the movie. Um, It's, it's a really cool setup. You know, you meet the at the beginning, but you don't really understand where she's going to end up in the movie. Um, You find out that like what Shinzon's story is, which I actually think is kind of a, I think it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, this idea that the Romulans would want to infiltrate Starfleet of course is one that we have explored a little bit more in Picard and in other bits of Star Trek, but in this case, you know, they were going to do it with a clone and they, they built him and then they sort of messed up the way they built him. So I, I think that story is fairly compelling. I disagree with our listener who said Tom Hardy did a great job. I personally thought that he did not do a very great job acting the part. Um, I think his acting is actually one of my biggest uh rubs with the movie. The, the plot doesn't really bother me. There are some other things that bother other people that don't bother me. His acting is kind of one of the things that does. Jim, I could not agree with you more. The Troy scene, the rape scene, it's a 49th minute. Um, it's really like thrown in there and doesn't seem to really connect to anything. The only thing that it does is it establishes that the Viceroy and Troy can communicate telepathically, which, of course, is what allows Troy to find the scimitar at the end of the movie. So they could have done it in a slightly different way, I think. Um, it was a total bad violation in there, and it was hardcore, and I'm, I don't know. So anyway, I'll just keep going, because I, I think I have some more to say about that. Um, some of the ways that the movie also succeeded. Um, okay, so the concept of having this mirror image of Picard that shows what Picard would have been like had he not been raised in the environment in which he was raised. That's a pretty interesting story. You know, the dilithium mines of of Remus don't sound like a very nice place. Uh, Of course, he was accelerated growth. Shinzon was. I think he says in the movie he spent like 10 years in the mines. So would 10 years of hard labor be enough to to break somebody, uh, to break Picard? specifically um maybe you know uh we already know that he changed from being a a uh, wily young man uh, after he got stabbed by a nausicaan into a, a responsible father figure so you know bigger changes have happened so it is possible um so carry on space battles space battles were awesome um you know Attack pattern, Kirk, Epsilon, all kinds of fun things thrown in there. The scimitar being able to fire, uh, like, Chang ship uh, from Star Trek Six, Uh I like that. Um, so the whole space battle thing. The Enterprise ramming <laughs> the scimitar is one of my favorite moments. I mean, it just happens in slow-mo, and you see pieces of hull just flying off the scimitar. And I think in answer to your question, Jim... The Enterprise rams the front of the scimitar. It rams the body of the scimitar. It doesn't even touch the wings. And we already know that the scimitar has, like, you know, 52 disruptor banks and a million shield generators and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it hit, three ships hit it for, like, a solid 10 minutes, and its shields are down to 70%. So we know the thing is super tough. Ramming speed was the only thing Picard would do, and unfortunately, ramming speed did not destroy whatever controlled the on weapons so, uh, so there you have it. Uh, Troy has to be the one to crash the Enterprise. Uh, I don't know why they did that, but they did because uh, they have to do that, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, the the death, I'll say the other thing that I don't love, I don't love the death of Shinzon. It's kind of arbitrary. It just sort of happens during a knife fight. Um, you know, Picard gets lucky, he pulls this thing down and sort of stabs him. It's cool that Shinzon sort of, you know, grabs the thing and pushes it further into him to get closer because, They had already talked earlier in the movie about how Shinzon really wanted to look Picard in the eye, right? That's why he pulls the the scimitar back. That's why he gives him a good stare down um, on the view screen, that kind of stuff. He wants to look him in the eye to see that reflection. So I like the imagery that they use throughout the movie of constantly bringing back that idea of the two of them reflecting off of one another. And finally, I will also disagree with the the listener who said that they did not like the Death of Data. I thought the Death of Data worked for me. I mean, he came over. He did what he was trained to do. He sacrificed himself um, for the many. He got his captain out of harm's way. I don't really have any particular reason to think that that's a bad way to die for a Starfleet officer. So, um I will let Charles finish us off, but for me, I think that this movie definitely falls in above uh, Insurrection, and I think it falls in a little bit above, I'm sorry, Jim, Star Trek 5 for me as well, Um, so I'll say this is my third least favorite movie, and I will give it about a six. Here's what I'll say though. I think it gets better with every viewing,
2: Um, so the more you watch it, the more you might like it. Charles, what do you think? So, before we, before we go on to Charles, and, and I'm assuming Nate is going to want to sound off. He waited for us to talk about important stuff, so I'm sure he has some important things to say. Um, in my senility, I forgot to play the trailer. I'm old. I'm senile. I got a giant killer mouse running through the house. I got a lot of distractions going on tonight. So, um, here's the trailer uh, for Star Trek Nemesis in case you guys forgot what the movie is about. Here it is. And then we'll hear from Charles and we'll hear from Nate. Maybe. There we go. No. Let's go. There we go.
5: Our eyes affect our lives, don't they? I can see as well as you can. I can feel everything you feel.
3: In fact, I can feel exactly
0: what you feel. He said he's a mirror
2: for me. I need to know where the hell he came from. The same blood once through our veins. It was as if part of me had been stolen.
5: Dangerous. Look in the mirror. See
0: yourself.
5: I'm a mirror for you as well. Don't be so fame.
2: trailer but anyways so uh, Charles Star Trek Nemesis shoot well it's
3: been so long since I've actually watched it (coughs) that I don't remember most of the storyline to it but I will say one thing about the movie is for some sort of tackling players it is a popular ship to play the scimitar the Scimitar is a bit of a deadly ship for some players. My favorite, which I'm sure Nate can attest to on that one. It was also a very hard That's to a great set ship show. because it filled quickly and it was hard to get copies of that one. But I will pass my turn over to Nate.
2: all right. So you don't want to give the movie a score. I'm not gonna score it tonight.
5: Okay, so Nate, the
2: spotlight is on you, buddy.
5: All right, so um, I too have not watched it probably since it came out, so it's, it, I can't I can't rate it uh, like everybody else because the whole thing is not fresh in my memory. But since Charles did speak uh, about the attack wing stuff, I uh, was inspired uh, one of our recent events, and that's it's been a long time since we've run an event. But I ran an ev- uh, a, a play where I had the E and the Valdor the Natra, all you know all the proper stuff. I, I did a cross faction uh, list uh, for this uh, uh, this final battle, which uh, I remember as being a really cool battle. Uh, and that was pretty fun. Um some little bit of trivia uh since things were uh, mentioned here by Jim about um, about will Wheaton coming back uh, I'm looking at memory alpha and um, apparently uh at a convention, he told fans when questioned, uh, let me see if I can find it over here. I have a couple little trivia things. okay, here it is. So at a 2012 convention, he talked about his appearance in the film, and according to him, he found out that uh, about it and it was going to be the that it, the movie was going to be the last uh movie, uh and um so he wanted to be in it because, uh, he he jumped at the chance for that. However, he says um that uh let's see here uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so Wheaton agreed to, uh, without even knowing what he would be doing, only that he would be again portraying Wesley. Uh, Wheaton also said that he asked John Logan, uh, who I think was the director, uh, what, what uh, Wesley was uh, doing there. Uh, he, uh, was he still uh, a traveler and just visiting, or had he stopped traveling and returned to Starfleet? Uh, Wheaton said that Logan told him that he didn't have an opportunity uh, in the script to decide one way or the other, and it really didn't matter as far as the rest of the film went and that it would just have to be one of those things left to the audience to decide which would be the case. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about here in uh, Off of Memory Alpha is that Jerry Ryan was actually asked to reprise her role of seven uh, for the wedding. Uh, but she refused uh, on two counts. The first was that she wanted to avoid being attached to Star Trek, and she was confused as to why seven would attend the wedding of people she didn't even know so uh, but yet here she came back for the to reprise her role for Picard, so the, I just found that a little bit interesting there.:
2: that is that I did not know about Jerry Ryan. See, this is educational. See, not just fun; exactly. it's educational. So, guys, we're just about out of time, believe it or not. Um, so, I want to say thank you. Oh, God, what was our name of our caller from Canada? Was it Barkley? Bert, what was anybody? Um, I, we we lost track of it, Jim. Yeah, sorry,
1: we forgot to write it down. And then when we lost you, we lost his name. So, thank you so much for calling, but we we
2: can't remember his name. <laughs> Yeah, I had to run and take care of a mouse emergency, uh, but, yeah. but thank you so much for calling. We really appreciate it, and we think it's great that that you gave us a call tonight, and please feel free to call any show. We're always open to talk to, to our fans, so thank you so much for calling. I also want to say thank you to Nate for calling in and uh, sharing all that information, particularly about Seven of Nine. I did not know that. Thank you so much, Nate. You're welcome. And, of course, I want to say thank you to Charles for hanging out in truck talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Charles.
3: You're welcome. It's so truck The Adventures of the Mouse.
2: <laughs> and uh, also I'd also like to say thank you to Eric for hanging out in truck talking with us, too. Thank you, Eric. You bet. I had a blast. And if you haven't
1: seen Nemesis in 20 years, go watch it again. It's not that bad.
5: <laughs> it, it, uh, no, okay. it's actually one of I my predict- favorites. I, I remember it being one of my favorites. Yeah?
2: I, I, I also want to thank you guys for stepping in when I had the mouse emergency, you know, um, The only my, thing we got to figure out Jim
1: in. is we got to figure out how to control your sound effects. Cause when we step in, that's the only thing we can't do. So we'll work on that.
2: Yeah. I, I, so anyway, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And uh, thank you to all you guys listening, no matter where you're listening from. It, it's so important to us that you guys feel like you're part of the show which is why we do fan shout outs and we ask you guys to rate the movies um, so that you guys feel as part of the show, because we're fans, you're fans. And we want you guys to feel that, you know, this is your show as much as it is our show. And that's why we have so much interaction on our Facebook page. And that's why we try to uh, give opinions from you guys as much as possible, because you guys are important to us. So thank you so much. And as I said at the top of the show, please, On Halloween night, after you get done trick-or-treating, sit down and enjoy. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It's a classic. And we're going to have it for you completely uncut and commercial free right here on Halloween night. And uh, Charles and I are going to talk about it. We're going to have some fun. And we're going to play some some classic, nostalgic Halloween music when we get done. So you want to definitely spend Halloween evening with us. After you get done trick-or-treating and you're eating your Halloween candy, please spend it with us. And just to sweeten the pot, the first person that calls us on Halloween night at 646-668-2433, I have in my hands a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on DVD, and I will send that to you. All you have to do is call up and say, trick-or-treat, and you got it. Could it be any easier? Come on. So please make plans to spend Halloween night with us here at Trek Talking. So that wraps up our show. Oh, one more thing I want to say before we run out of time. um, If you guys could, please head over to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. Um, Leslie's uh, been sick. She's been in the hospital for a couple of weeks, and she's really feeling down and she's really feeling depressed. And it would really mean a lot to her if she can hear from you guys. She needs as much good vibes as she can get. And uh, she needs to know that you guys are thinking about her and that she's not alone out there in the world. So head on over to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page. Say hello to Leslie and send her some well wishes. She really needs to hear from you guys. All right. Well, that's it, guys. I want to say thank you so much for listening. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying, please, be safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Hail. Live long and prosper.
3: Let's see what's out
2: there.
0: Engage.